How many of you need physical touch this morning? Would you just stand? If you need a touch, if you need a touch from the Lord this morning, we want to pray with you and pray for you. Amen. Amen. So many um, suffering physically in different ways. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord and just receptivity? Father, uh, we come as your children this morning. You are our loving heavenly Father. You created us physical, spiritual, emotional beings. And God, in our, our physical being, sometimes there's just such uh, pain and agony. And God, some people just suffering so much. Father God, we just pray that you would extend your hand of healing over every body, every physical body, every heart, every mind. Lord, we pray healing virtue, healing power. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the one that has all power and authority. And we call upon you this morning and we ask you to just minister healing to each and every one, Lord. Let healing virtue flow, God, over the physical bodies of your people today. You said if there's any that are sick, oh God, we could call upon you, Lord. And God, we pray this morning and ask Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Let's open up in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I want to just take a few moments to speak to you about the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of G to Jesus, prophesied 700 years before by Isaiah the prophet, and he said that he would be the forerunner who would go before Jesus to prepare the way. He actually came to prepare the way, to make the road ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. This is John the Baptist, not to be confused with John the Apostle, he was called John the Baptist because of his ministry of baptizing believers uh, into covenant relationship with God. We're going to look at his life, and I've entitled my message this morning, Every Miracle Begins with a Mess. Every miracle, when you look in the Bible, you see that every miracle came out of a situation that was chaotic, a situation that was a, a mess. Uh, let's face it, every, every miracle of healing comes because somebody was sick. Every miracle of deliverance comes because somebody was bound by a, a, an affliction, bound by a stronghold, and they needed to be set free. But every miracle of deliverance came because there was a need. Every miracle of provision came because there was a financial crisis. So have a chaotic situation, a messy situation in your life. Realize you're a candidate for a miracle. Thank God for that. Amen. Let's be encouraged this morning as we look into the word of God. I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 1 verses 5 to 17. It says there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 5, verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest, before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. 
And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Amen. A few years ago, we had the honor of having Pastor Jim Symbol, a pastor of the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, a church at one time of over 10,000 people in New York City. And, uh, you know, their worship music was just um, such great worship music. Their choir music real, literally traveled around the world. They were the forerunner of, of, of you know, Christian worship and music uh, for, you know, today, Hillsong and Maverick City and all of the different um, music that we hear, Elevation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, well, he came to speak at our church, and I remember being so excited to pick him up at the train station and I was going to take him up to Federal Hill for, for some delicious Italian cuisine. So it was just before church, so we were not going to have this big sit-down meal. So we just went uh, to a deli. We went to Venda Ravioli. It's a deli restaurant on Federal Hill. They have just an incredible presentation of cheeses and all kinds of hot and cold Italian dishes. I'm making some of you hungry. Antipasto. I mean, just delicious, and they had uh, these delicious grinders, depending where you come from, they could be heroes, they could be hoagies, they could be subs, um, but anyway, uh, I was so proud to lead Pastor Symbol and a couple of his leaders up to uh, Venda Ravioli, and we stepped up to the deli area, and as I was bragging about how mouth-wateringly delicious the Italian sand sandwiches would be, and I began to order saying we would like some Italian grinders. To my surprise and to my utter embarrassment, the worker at the deli declared we are out of bread. The famous vendor, no bread. It's like Dunkin' Donuts having no donuts. It's like McDonald's having no hamburgers. It's like Chick-fil-A having no chicken. Confused and embarrassed, we turned around and went to a nearby deli. Again, I learned the lesson that things don't always work out the way we want them to. Isn't it so true that life doesn't work out the way we planned? We all have dreams, we all have visions, we have plans for our lives, but life doesn't always cooperate. There's a setback, a tragedy, an unforeseen circumstance. No bread. No bread? Yes, life is like that. When you look in the scriptures, you see in God's holy word that the lives of men and women of God, that life 
was not working out the way they planned. We know that the Bible is, is not just one book, it's actually a collection of 66 books. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. In every book of the Bible, in every story of the Bible, God is the main character. He is the main character in the drama of life. And we see God in his interactions with humanity, with, with men and women, just like you and I. And in his interactions, uh, we see that they have their, their struggles, their tragedies, their broken plans, their broken dreams. And it's, the Bible is, is full of that, right? I mean, every story is, is some, some tragedy, some struggle, some mess, some, some need that, that God walks into and, and, and somehow, some way works things for his glory and for our good. When we look at the birth of, of the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, we see this, this great... Um, prophecy that was going to come to pass and and we see in the scriptures we see in this passage encouragement for our lives today and I want to look at two points simply from from this passage as we walk through the scriptures I want to look into the word of God I want us to learn this morning I want us to understand the word of God I want us to get it in the context I want to I want us to see the word of God fleshed out and how it could be a blessing to us this morning amen so let's look at first the mess. This is before his birth. And under this point, there are two thoughts that I want to bring out. First, it was, there were days of evil. There were days of evil. In Luke chapter 1 verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea. I want you to understand that in the scriptures, anytime there is a reference to a king, a reference to a nation, it's not just giving you um, uh, just a little background, a little history, it's giving you a, a reference point. It's, it's giving you a context. And when the Bible says the days of Herod, now in the New Testament there are many, there are several Herods that are mentioned. They're not all the same Herod, they're different. Have the same name, but they're different. And this Herod reigned from 37 BC to about 4 AD. So he reigned for about 40 years, and he was called the king of the Jews, but in reality, he was not even of Jewish descent. This title was confirmed, conferred, conferred upon him by Rome as a political favor. But this was Herod, and he was known as Herod the Great. Now, he was not great because of his noble and good character, but he was known as Herod the Great because he was a builder and an architect of epic proportions. Herod the Great built Masada, which was a royal fortress down by the Dead Sea that was an impregnable structure that was self-contained and was a, 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 an incredible archaeological uh, uh, accomplishment. He also built uh, a seaport, an international seaport for trade at Caesarea that would bring trade in from all over the, dead, the world at that time. He also built the temple. He built, uh, rebuilt the, the Solomon's temple, known as Herod's temple. It took 46 years. Monumental structure, the stones, the building was just incredible. 
So the Bible says it was in the days of Herod. Herod was known as Herod the Great because of all of his architectural designs and his buildings. But Herod was an, a wicked and evil king. He killed his wives. Anyone that was in line for the throne, his children, he would wipe them out. He would kill them. Any that could be a potential challenge for his throne, Herod would do away with them. He is the same Herod in the Gospels that would order the murder of all the children in Bethlehem that were two years and under because he was trying to kill the Christ child. This gives you an idea of how evil and wicked this king was at that time. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, When a wicked man rules, the people groan. So the people at that time were groaning under the oppressive rule of King Herod. He was evil, he was wicked, he was ungodly, he was murderous. But in spite of all of that, God was still at work. In spite of how evil the days were, God was still working his plan out. Can you say amen? Even today, with all of the evil, with all of the wickedness, with all of the sinful and ungodly behavior that we see and that we experience in our culture and in our world, we are encouraged to know that God Almighty is still at work. God is still forming and fashioning his plan and his purpose in this time and in this hour of history of which you and I are a part of. Can you say amen? It was days of evil, but it was also days of personal tragedy. Look at verse 6. It says of Elizabeth and Zacharias that they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless, but they had no child. And it says that they were well advanced in age. In age. Not only were they old, but they were very old. The Bible says they were well advanced and aged. How about being introduced, not just as an old person, but well advanced and aged. Very old. But here was the problem. Here was the personal tragedy. That not only were they old, but they had no child and they were barren. Not only were there evil days, but there were days of personal tragedy. No, no child in Bible times was a great burden. One commentator said to be childless was economically and socially disastrous. To be childish, childless, economically and socially disastrous. This is in Bible times. Economically because parents had no one to support them in their old age. Socially, because in the law, barrenness was sometimes a judgment for sin, and many people would assume the worst possible case scenario. So devastating to be childless in Bible times, one of the wives of the patriarchs would cry out, give me children or I die. That would be Rachel to Rebecca in Genesis 30, chapter 1. Elizabeth would say later in verse 25 of the same chapter 
that you have looked upon me to take away my reproach from among men. So there are times in life where there's barrenness. Maybe you're experiencing it this morning relationally, emotionally, financially. Maybe there's barrenness physically. When there seems to be no fruit of the womb, so to speak. Nothing seems to be working out. Nothing seems to be turning out the way you planned. And it's, it's during those times that our faith is being tested. It is during those times when our faith is being proved. In the ordinary times of life, in the mundane times of life, in the fulfillment of ordinary responsibilities of life. It's while we wait for a miracle, while we wait for things to turn around. Yes, there are hard times for Zechariah and Elizabeth. There were difficult times, almost unbearable, but God. What they didn't know at that time, God was about to birth something. It was about to be a day of a new dawning. It was about to be a changing of a season. It was about to be something new that God was going to do. You see, it was just a season, but it was a very long season. That's why the Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 9, Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. What am I trying to say? Even when your plans are messy, even when things don't look like they're going to turn out the way you plan, you can know that God is always at work. He never stops working. He always is at work. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us, Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God is preparing things for those. God is preparing things for you because you love him. You trust him. You serve him. God has a plan. And eye is not seen. Ear is not heard. It is so far beyond. When God does a work in our life, it's amazing. Can you say amen? So the question is, how did Zechariah and Elizabeth deal with it? How did they deal with it? Waiting for the miracle. My second point is the miracle. Days of faithfully serving. Look at what verse 6 and 8 says. It says they were both righteous before God and they were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Verse 8 says he was serving. Interesting, in spite of their barrenness, in spite of not experiencing what they had prayed for and hoped for and longed for for many, many, many years, they're still serving. The Bible says that the lot fell to Zechariah to burn incense in the temple. Historians and commentators tell us that during that period of time, there were approximately 18,000 priests. Now, a priest was, was just like a local pastor of a local church. And Zechariah, living in the village, living in the country, might have had a small church, if you will. Might have had 20, 30, 40 people. 
And this was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because not every priest can go to the temple and burn incense. They had to draw lots, and this was once-in-a-lifetime. Zacharias is chosen, and he gets to go to the temple. So this is really exciting for him. But understand that before this opportunity, he is just faithfully serving God. Just serving God day in and day out. You know, sometimes people won't serve God or do anything unless they can do something great. So they won't do something small. They won't do anything unless they can do something great. But here is a man, Zacharias. He's he's serving faithfully in the small things. Do you realize that it's in the small things, the small areas of life, as we faithfully serve, even when no one else is watching, when no one else sees what we're doing, when it's behind the scenes, that character is developed. That that character that pleases God, that faithfulness that pleases God is developed. You see, Jesus on the final day, when we get to heaven, he's not going to say, well done, thou great and faithful apostle. Well done, thou great and faithful bishop. He's going to say simply, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's going to be the test. Keep serving. Keep doing the right thing. Keep at your post. Even when you see nothing. Maybe you're being tested. Maybe this is a season in the mundane, in the ordinary. Keep doing what's right when no one's watching. Keep doing what's right when you're underappreciated and when you're overworked. The Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. This was day, these were days of faithfully serving, but they were also days of waiting. These were days of waiting. It tells us in verse 13, your prayer is heard. How many years did they pray? How many years did they serve? But finally, their prayer was heard. Could it have been 20 years? Could it have been 30? Could it have been 40 years? Turn to the person next to you. Tell them, you think you've been waiting long? So what did they do? Well, let me just stop by first saying what they didn't do. They didn't get a divorce. Their needs weren't fully being met. Their their life was in chaos. They didn't have what the Joneses had or the, the Moseses had. Put it in Hebrew context. They didn't have what others had. But you know what? They stayed faithful to God and faithful to one another. They said to one another, we're in this thing together. We're going to see it through. We're going to pray it through. We're going to hope it through. We are going to stay together. What they didn't do is get a divorce. What they didn't do is produce an Ishmael. They didn't take things into their own hands like even Father Abraham did and produce an Ishmael. They continued to wait on God and trust in God and not take things into their own hands. What they didn't do was they didn't become bitter towards God. You know, sometimes in life when you're serving God faithfully, you're walking with God, and you're praying for certain things and they don't seem to happen, it's easy to get bitter. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to look at other people and say, well, they got it all together. They're being blessed. How come I am not experiencing this? 
They refused to be bitter, but they kept on praying. They kept on believing. They kept on waiting. Can you say amen? You see, we don't mind praying and believing as long as it doesn't involve waiting. Lord, we're believing you for this and we're expecting it tomorrow. You have to understand you can't do business with God unless you learn how to wait. I know we don't like to hear that, but you cannot do business with God on your timetable. You've got to do it on his timetable. And if you want to do business with God, you've got to learn the art of waiting. You know, I have experienced it as a pastor. Every, every season of expansion, every season of growth has come with times of waiting. Many times, months and years. I remember being in the storefront and, and serving faithfully with, with a core group of, of, of servants of God that were with us at that time. And, and I remember times of just wondering and waiting and saying, God, when are you going to give us an increase? When are you going to give us a breakthrough? And I remember one particular evening leaving a Bible study on a Wednesday night. And I mean, in that Bible study, we might have had 15 people the most. 20 people, that's counting shadows. That's counting people who are living upstairs in the apartments and dogs and cats. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you don't know how to take me this morning and can't see if you're smiling or scowling under that mask. But, but only a few people, and I, I remember leaving that night discouraged. And, and you know, the devil just likes to whisper in your ear and tell you, Is it, it's not worth it. What are you doing? And I remember at that moment, I remember just praying, God, God, I love you. God, I'm serving you, but I don't see it. And I remember sensing, you know, God just speaking to me at that time. And God saying to me, will you serve me if this is all you get? Will you serve me if you don't have a bigger church or a bigger ministry or, or greater accolades or greater titles? Will you serve me and be faithful just with a few sheep? And it was at that moment I had to say, yes, Lord, because it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about doing his will. It's about being faithful to God, even with all of the results, because it's at that time that God tests your motives. It's at, God, at that time God tests your heart. It's at that time God tests your character. You see, anyone can serve God in the limelight. But what about when your plans don't go the way you want? What about when you step up to the deli and they tell you there's no bread? What do you do when, when life is detoured? You know, we've seen a lot of construction on Branch Avenue and Charles Street just seems whatever direction you go, there's road construction. And your life has to be rerouted. Or your, your driving has to be rerouted. There's a detour. You have to go all the way around. And sometimes life is like that. There's a detour. There's road construction. But see, something's being done below the surface. See, we like everything above the surface. We like to see the fruit of everything. But you know what? A lot of God's work is below the surface. A lot of what God does is in our hearts, is in our character, is in our life. Because that prepares us for the blessing. That prepares us to receive what God has for us. Can you say amen? amen. You know, there's a, a man here that just reminds me of just this lesson 
of waiting on God. Brother Douglas, he's a man who's been in this country over 30 years, and I met him probably at the beginning of his time here. At that time, he was not a citizen, had no job. His wife was not with him. And we would wait for years and years and pray for his wife. And sometimes, to be honest, we would wonder, did he really have a wife? Until I went to Africa myself, not to make sure he had a wife, but got to meet her. And all these years, 10 years, 20 years, many years, they waited faithfully, serving God, waiting, faithful to God, faithful to one another, even though they were apart all these years. And then finally his wife came. Now they're married. Now they own their own home. Now he's a U.S. citizen. Now he's a minister with the Assemblies of God. And he just wrote his first book this last few months. Can you give God praise? I share that as a testimony that I've seen with my own eyes of somebody who waited and waited and served faithfully, even through personal tragedy, even through difficult, kept waiting and waiting and waiting. But it was worth the wait, amen, to see the faithfulness of God. Would you stand together with me this morning? I want to pray with you. I want to ask you this morning, if you, you look at your life and you look at the circumstances and you say, well, things are not working out the way I planned, the way, the way I wanted, uh, there's, there's no bread. I expected something, but you know what? It hasn't worked out. Listen, all of us, I'm sure, in one area or another, have that same challenge, that same issue to deal with. But today, I want you to know that every miracle begins with a mess. And if you learn how to wait upon God, you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So I want to ask you right now as, as we begin to play just softly, if you need prayer, if you want to pray, if you want to respond to the message this morning, would you quickly move out of your seat? We're going to sing one chorus and then we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.